0: really folks you know this is about my journey through these big picture questions you know who am i why am i here what am i supposed to be doing
1: okay welcome back to this week's grimerica show we're going to be talking to who we talk to red pill junkie yeah but who we talk to later
2: and then we're talking oh, yeah, to alex DeKaris. 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 Yeah,
1: that's right oh yeah that's a good one too so stay tuned But uh, first, as always, it's Graham.
2: Hello, Darren. How are you doing?
1: Good, buddy. You? Pretty good. And we've got uh, Red Pill Junkie back again this week uh, to have a chat with us. How's it going, Red?
3: Hey, guys. Happy to be here and happy Thanksgiving to all our American listeners. Oh, yeah,
1: right. Happy not the real Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, like the mixing of uh, Hanukkah. (laughs) And Thanksgiving, something that only comes like every seventy thousand years or something to that effect.
1: Wonder if that sign means well, means that Nibiru is gonna come back and the Anunnaki are gonna turn us into gold digging slaves,
3: or they're gonna <laughs> eat us like turkey.
1: The reptilians will eat us.
3: Yeah. Oof with cranberry sauce
1: (laughs) and stuffing do you guys have thanksgiving
3: in mexico no with mexican thanksgiving (laughs) no we haven't we haven't a thing to be thankful for (laughs) (laughs) no i'm kidding no uh, i mean some people kind of think we should uh, adopt that american celebration but it's it no it doesn't it hasn't caught on here
1: yeah it's pretty commercialized these days anyway it's just like the start of christmas shopping
3: yeah i mean here in mexico we have our own uh uh, tropicalized version of their black friday we had it like two two weeks ago tropicalized that sounds yeah well i mean like our own uh, knockoff version of the all the stupid shopping spree you're trying to get like 15 percent off of that uh, sweet-ass 50-inch flat screen that you uh, that is over that is overpriced, but you want it every anyway.
1: Yeah, I was I was looking at pictures of the people lined up outside of some fucking place. There's hundreds of them
3: yeah and there even uh, some stores are trying to push it back even to the thursday you to to have the black thursday which it kind of sucks because then that it means that their employees need to work on the thanksgiving uh, night
1: (laughs) have a turkey sandwich
3: no man that's that's not cool man you you to 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 force your Or even to to try to lure your employees to work on doing a holiday.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I used to work on Christmas and stuff when I worked in the mine. It was every second year you worked on Christmas. Really? Yeah, you made double time, though. And all you did is sit in the control room and watch movies. (laughs) (laughs) But you just have to have people on staff. You can't just leave the fucking place abandoned.
3: And well, I want to think that you volunteered for the job because, uh, in order to the guys with families and all that, to have the chance to 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 enjoy it with their with their loved ones.
1: Yeah, well, usually you you could take it off, I'm sure, if you wanted to. Like I didn't really care; I was just oh. seeing dollars dollar bills, dollar dollar <sighs> bills, y'all. <laughs>
2: So, I wonder how much internet shopping goes up on Black Friday.
1: No, internet's, internet's Cyber Monday.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah, I kind of b- b- bought a couple of things on Amazon uh, during the Thursday.
2: Did you go through Grimarica?
3: Mm. Oh, shit. I <laughs> knew I <was> <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's okay.
2: <laughs> we could have got a couple pennies from that transaction.
1: I think we actually yeah. owe money when they play it. Yeah, at least a dollar. Actually, I don't think they ever paid us for the shit you bought.
3: <laughs> yeah, probably not. So do you? Do you can you guys watch uh, the things that uh, uh, people going through the site actually purchase?
1: Nah, no. It just says we- items ordered.
3: Really because uh, I, I've, I remember uh, hearing someone like Daniela Bolelli commenting on the weird crap or Donald Tro commenting on the weird crab that some of the people using their portal had bought. I wonder and, I've
1: never really tried to look
3: probably because people told them what they bought after
2: through email or something maybe no, you because can.
3: they't can't, they can't watch uh, the name of the person they can only watch the, the purchased item.
1: That'd be funny. I wonder if anyone will ever buy the lube.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder when the first uh, uh, sexual toy is going to be purchased through the Grand America portal. It already has. <laughs> ah, yeah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck, I got to get that book, Sex at Dawn. I was did you hear him on Rogan the other day, Chris Ryan?
2: No, I didn't hear him.
1: He's on Rogan. Fuck, he's. I like that guy, man. I, wonder, I He's always talking about his book, and I've never read it. I'm going to grab it. It's on Audible. Yeah, Yeah, maybe I'll get it on Audible. I think I'd like to have that book, though, at the same time. I'm not sure I'm on the fence.
2: It's probably one that you'll go back and reference. Maybe
1: I'll ask for it for Christmas.
3: Yeah, when some member of your family is starting to talk about the sanctity of marriage, you are going to go to your bookshelf to bring that book out. and (laughs) You know, for the part where you, you know, you set the reference and say, okay, well, this is why you're wrong, okay, so maybe you should start with something to segue the now famous enter the mushroom for America podcast episode and I came across well it was one of the biggest news this this week kind of shocking to 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 uh, learn about this new uh, uh Study carried out by uh, researchers from the ucla to, like to They kind of discover that Mushrooms create airflow that will allow their their spores to spread out You know, they they actually think about it these uh, Plants these mushrooms they modify the weather <laughs> in order to in order to reproduce so they propel. What they do is that, like, they create uh, moist moisture, and the, the the moisture then evaporates, and the evaporation uh, allows the like a change uh,
1: changes in the, the air
3: pressure yeah in the, in the, yeah. yeah, in the cold the cold air is more dense than the warm air, and has a tendency to flow and spread out. So that allows these spores to 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 travel like a larger distance, let me read this. This evaporation also creates water vapor, which is less dense than air. The two forces help carry spores out of the mushroom and give them a little lift. The lift can carry spores up to four inches, 10 centimeters, horizontally and vertically. So that's kind of fascinating. You know, We, we keep learning more and more about uh, changing our our, our our viewpoint about uh, the plant life, the plant world. we, we keep thinking of trees and uh, and flowers and all that like like static machines, but they are actually not. they are in constant communication with the environment, you know they're the, almost to the point of uh, sentience. Maybe, maybe even more sentient if we uh, give credence to the things that like people like Terence McKenna, his brother, tells us about when they ingested uh, mushrooms or ayahuasca.
1: I wonder if the psilocybin has anything to do with that. Because I thought, doesn't psilocybin have something to do with uh, stopping the mushrooms from freezing? It's some sort of an antifreeze or something?
3: Maybe I'm I, wrong. I, I don't know. We need to look it up, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit. So maybe the psilocybin is intelligent. I mean, well, then what is intelligent? The intelligence for humans is the capacity to adapt to our changing environment, right? And what we see here is the capacity of emotions to to modify their environment. So, what is that? Can can that be uh, uh, the applied or labeled as intelligence i don't know maybe it, it turns into semantics it, it's the kind of things that really <laughs> things that make you go mm.
1: yeah i seen that somewhere today actually i remember reading that
2: it makes me think of those experiments with plants that one day we should or get into a little bit more.
3: Yeah, yeah, experiments with plants, mm-hmm. trying to Steve, uh, uh, talking nice little plants, or or, or putting nice music to or, plants. Yeah,
2: or lighting fire around it, or burning another plant in front of another the thing plant. Thing is,
1: me and you have absolutely yeah. no way of telling what if there's any changes in the plant, right? Did, like, didn't he have some shit hooked up to it so he could tell?
3: I mean, it is widely established by now that. Uh, when a plant is being like eaten by a predator like i don't know uh, a cow or whatever that it releases some kind of chemical into the atmosphere that is kind of a signal an, an alert signal to 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 the rest of the the plants surrounding the area so the the plants then might you know change the maybe try to to trigger the the elaboration of some kind of toxin in order to 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 scare away the 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 predator yeah just like that movie yeah there is this kind of chemical communication with the plants
1: what the fuck was that movie now where the plants make everyone kill themselves
3: oh yeah you're thinking about that terrible movie from in Shyamalan.
1: yeah fuck i can't remember what it was called have you seen it
3: yeah, I'm, I saw it and ah, the problem with Shyamalan is like, I understand that he's trying to use those type of situations as an excuse to, 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 to explore human relationships. Like the movie science, this, I mean the premise of the movie science is pretty ridiculous. Especially if you know a thing or two about the, uh, the UFO phenomenon and crop circles mm-hmm. but if you go beyond that you go back and, and you see uh, what what it is that the movie is really about it's like uh, the character of mel gibson who is a former priest who uh, lost his faith due to a terrible tragedy in his life and if you see about that you know about trying to come up with with ways to to, to see why there must be a reason for events happen in your life or maybe something happens for a reason if you try to understand that's what the movie is telling you then it really isn't really is a a pretty cool movie I mean at least the part with the the kids and and what is uh, River Phoenix no no Uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin isn't he a rapper now uh, I don't know, but but the part when Mel Gibson returns and he finds the two kids and uh, Joaquin all with these <laughs> tinfoil hat on their heads—that that is one of the top ten cinema mom- moments in my list. Yeah,
1: I remember that. I actually I like that movie. It was not bad.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that the with Chamel and the tense was his. Best movie ever and it's gone. It's all come downhill from there on
1: I Can't remember. There's another one that I really liked from fucking maybe it was even the old.
3: one with the yeah The one with the unbreakable It's with Bruce Willis. I like that one, too.
1: I Thought there was one even before the sixth sent that sent that was good Oh, yeah, the village no, the, the village. village is older.
3: Yeah, the village is after, way <laughs> after. Yeah, it's the second movie that fucking Phoenix uh, uh, starting.
1: Oh, the happening—that's what it is. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah, the one with the yeah, the one with the killer plants. Yeah, it sucks.
1: And After Earth, After Earth is bad too.
3: I haven't seen it yet, and I'm, I'm tempted to 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 rent it from Blockbuster. You know, just to. to see it, I saw
1: it. Yeah, it's not, it's, nah, yeah, it's okay, I guess. I mean, it's just, there's no real fucking storyline to it.
2: Do you still have Blockbuster down there? Oh, yeah.
1: Really? They're gone out of business here. I miss I, I miss know.
2: having the old uh, movie store where you could actually go in and rent almost anything you want. Now you can't really do that. Oh, you like, could if you're Darren. <laughs> like with the clerks?
3: You miss having that ob- obnoxious uh, <laughs> the guy running the store. Judging you for yeah, right Judging there. you <laughs> for your choice. Oh, you're going to get that? Really? Uh, well, you're into that. Mm.
2: All right. So you got uh, red pills of the week coming up, eh?
3: Yeah, I do.
1: So a are you going to give like, us a, a, a special sneak peek? Thanksgiving.
3: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm definitely going to 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 include this one that was also discussed by our guy our friends from the Korean report last Tuesday about this well we can say it here in the Great America show, these assholes who burned down this historic plantation in New Orleans when they were going ghost ghost hunting, quote unquote. I, uh, apparently they got mad because the, the, the ghost weren't responding to their calls, so they decided to burn the goddamn thing up out of spite. Out of spite? Yeah.
1: It wasn't like an accident.
3: No, it was uh, definitely intentional. The, the fire. The, well, the police or the, the fire department says the the two the guys were intoxicated. You know, drunk. Or... Oh, so was it drunk, or did they blame it on marijuana? Both. You know, because this is New Orleans, and apparently in New, uh, New Orleans, pot is still the devil's weed. So
1: Louisiana, right? Yeah, Louisiana. Louisiana.
3: And the thing is that here in this uh, article on Gawker.com and seeing uh, like a mugshot of the one, two, three, four, the seven detainees, and <laughs> it's got them hilarious. I don't know. If it- I'm going to send you guys link. What's so funny oh, about can... it? Oh man. When you see it, you're gonna know. Let me see if I can if I can send it to you guys. Where are you here in my list?
1: Fucking blamed it on weed. Those pricks. Oh, that no, was the no. building they burned down?
3: Yeah, but watch the Holy photo fuck. below. The photo below, man. Go to gap by the name of Kevin Barr i know it's wrong to to judge people by their physical appearance but (laughs) please see see this image there
1: were seven of them yeah oh ghost hunting and getting wasted yeah looks like a pretty shitty ghost hunting team
3: no here's my theory man like the ghost knew these guys were assholes and that's why they didn't show show showed up. They didn't show up because they knew these assholes will burn out the, the building and they will get in trouble and they they will get their ass on jail.
1: Oh look at that. It says that the ringleader was fucking Dustin Davenport.
3: Who is that guy?
1: Uh he's the bald guy with the goatee. So Dustin Davenport?
2: Uh-huh. Can I say I, that am
1: I going to get fucking sued?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Well, I might <laughs> want to cut that out. I don't think we need to name
1: names. <laughs> okay, okay. We won't name names. I'll just bleep them. Yeah, okay. going to fucking cease and desist. I'll
3: just point you out to the gentleman below him on that photo, in that group photo. it's getting all the comments on the, Go- on the Gawker webpage.
2: Poor guy. Eh? Imagine that. They burn a thing down. And then you're all over the, the internet.
1: Yeah, I suspect well, there are several Fedora owners here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But um, the well, sad well, part about it is is the way the media handles it, right? It makes it seem like it's, uh, with the headlines and all, like it's an actual ghost hunting team, right?
3: Yeah, that's what I gather. In fact, below here, there is a comment from... Um, Ghost-hunting group that I really don't know. Let me let me scroll down here Paranormal Task Force, you know, we at Paranormal Task Force are shocked at this tragic travesty and loss of one of America's historic champs Leveling these alcoholic drugging abuse thrill seeking criminals as ghost hunters is misleading and an embarrassment to the Paranormal Research field as a whole yada 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 well Anyway, I can understand these guys, and like they don't want to be, like, grouped with these bozos. Even though I actually don't have too much, uh, I don't give too much credence to 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 many, maybe most of of the people who go uh, inside these supposed haunted houses, trying to, to 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 have some kind of encounter and. Be shouting, you know, like trying to, to to to. Did they have any gear? I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know much about. I must confess, I really don't know much about ghost hunting. I know that our friend Micah Hanks, he started his career, you know, as a as a ghost hunter, you know, with a group of guys. I think they go they called themselves Lemur. I don't know a kind of a weird acronym here, and
1: hopefully. And, i don't like it to burn anything down hopefully
3: uh, i'm sure he didn't (laughs) but anyway that was like the top one paranormal story of the week thanks to to these guys who (laughs) burned down this apparently very important historic plantation in new orleans
1: it was a pretty impressive looking building
3: yeah, oh, I want
1: abandoned. I'd move into that motherfucker, man. Look at that. Look at the patio.
3: <laughs> but then the, the you will butter the ghosts. That's okay. <laughs>
1: you just gotta butter them up. So, uh, what else is new? Anything else? What's number two on the list?
3: Well, right now I I haven't listed them in order uh, of importance, but I do know that. Uh, uh, this week was a kind of a important week for dinosaur lovers. There were a couple of important uh, in top stories regarding din- our our favorite uh, uh, ancient reptiles. One of them was that the skeleton of a, a intact Diplodocus dinosaur was auctioned and was sold for. Kind of a low price, in my opinion, Six, $651,000 to an unidentified on, on public institution for an action in Britain on Wednesday. If you had enough money to buy uh, a dinosaur skeleton, how much would you be willing to pay? 50 bucks. Oh, man.
2: I mean, if you're like filthy rich? Yeah. Oh, I'd probably only pay if I was really, really rich. Probably only pay twenty or thirty thousand for a massive T-Rex.
1: No, I'd pay maybe a half a mil. Really? Maybe a million bucks for a T-Rex if I had a hundred million. Put a mm. T-Rex out in front, right? Like I'd have like one of those drive around driveways, and that fucking T-Rex would be in the middle, just waiting for you to get home every day.
2: I would just three D print one for
1: five thousand. That would take forever.
3: Maybe you you wouldn't even need to spend much money, considering that you guys live in Canada, and Canada is something of a dinosaur haven.
1: Let's go dig one up. Yeah,
3: we live uh, okay, an hour yeah. away from Drumheller, which is famous for dinosaur bones.
1: Yo, I thought they just found a fucking skeleton here in Alberta, actually.
3: I actually, that is one I was going at. They recently found uh, a tiny intact skeleton of a baby a ceratopsian dinosaur in Alberta, Canada. You know, this is ceratopsian meaning like they were like the triceratops, this kind of like rhinoceros type of dinosaurs that like have a, uh, like have a horn in their beak or in their mouth, under this plate covering their neck, uh, uh, allegedly to to protect them from the larger predators and. This was really a very cool finding, but not only because uh, it's very rare to find uh, intact skeletons of juvenile dinosaurs, but also because the level of preservation in this specimen was so incredible. They even had skin impressions in the nearby rock. You know, like, uh, they they managed to find, like, the texture of, of the skin of the animal
1: wow i thought they said they could even tell how it died
3: yeah i mean these paleontologists are like like the best uh, crime detectives in all the world you know i mean csi can fuck itself (laughs) up because these guys can can really find out the cause of death of an animal that uh, died Died like 150 (sighs) million years ago exactly man you know i mean so Could've, allegedly,
2: was there any new new skin like discoveries about the skin? Like now that they could see the actual texture of the skin, did it change the way we think dinosaurs look on the outside?
3: Not really, but one of the uh, news that I linked to on the Daily Grail this Thursday that I, that was also dinosaur-related let me let me fire it up because I didn't have it. Here. One second, please. You must have been to drum hillary
1: Fucking that T Rex, it's an impressive, man.
3: It's well, fucking
1: impressive to see a fucking actual skeleton of a T Rex.
2: Is that the one up in the, like, standing up there?
1: Yeah, right in is the that... middle. It's like in the middle when you first go in there.
2: In the town? That's real?
1: No,
3: in the fucking museum.
2: Oh, oh, in the museum. Okay. The ro- These Royal news... Tyrell.
3: This news that also popped up this week. It's also related to Tyrannosaurus rex. Like in North Carolina, uh, a paleontologist by the name of Mary Schweitzer managed to find an incredibly intact uh, adolescent T. rex in Montana, uh, complete with uh, skin uh, samples and everything. And uh, which was kind of controversial because uh, up until then, Scientists didn't think that the skin could be preserved so long. And apparently they found out why the skin managed to to, to, to last that long. It think, I think it was because uh, there's a very high level of iron on the skin of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So he's a meat eater. Yeah, I think so. The, let me see there...
1: Like iron,
2: because because of where it was, uh, where it died, or iron because it had it in its blood, sort of, or in its skin.
3: Let me see here. It says iron is an element present in abundance in the body, particularly in the blood, where it is where it is part of the protein that carries ox- oxygen from the lungs to the tissues. Iron is also highly reactive with other molecules, so the body keeps it keeps it locked up tight, bound to molecules that prevent it from wrecking havoc on the tissues. After death, though, iron is let free from its cage. It forms minic- minuscule iron nanoparticles and also generates free radicals, which are highly reactive molecules thought to be involved in aging. So Schweitzer and her colleagues found that the dinosaur soft tissue is closely associated with iron nanoparticles in both the T-Rex and another soft tissue specimen from Brachylophosaurus canadensis, a type of duck-billed dinosaur. They then then tested the iron as preservative idea using modern ostrich blood vessels. They soaked one group of blood vessels in iron-rich liquid made of red blood cells Another another group in water. The blood vessels left in water turned into a disgusting mess within days. The blood vessels soaked in red blood cells remained recognizable after sitting at room temperatures for two years. For how so, long? Uh, two years. So I don't really know at this point why there's uh, such an iron which level content in the skin of the tyrannosaurus i guess that graham is right that it has to do with uh, his diet but it's eats lots of kale
2: yeah i was a little low in iron when i last went so i had to start eating more greens and a bit more meat maybe
1: superfood
3: Hmm. So in 60 million years from now, <laughs> scientists will be able to <laughs> retrieve Fine your skeleton. Gram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with skin and all. So you you should get a tattoo or something, man. Get a what? A tattoo. A tattoo. So they can see yeah. the
1: imprint of your tattoo and then it'll be like...
3: And they yeah, find like, you in
1: like ten million years, and they dig you up, and they're like, "Yeah, like dude, Oxy, you a know?" And they're like, like, "Whoa, look at they had things on their arms." Yeah, I haven't decided what They'll to think get you're yet. An alien. Yeah, I need to get one though. There'll be a new suculose. That's like it was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> the symbol on his arm is the star system he came from.
3: Yeah, and he adores. A- cat-like creature called Zeus.
1: Yeah, and they worshipped a cat named <laughs>
3: Zeus. <laughs> and and Zeus is off. with me but half my face is chewed off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that were all the dino-related news of the week.
1: I should take my... I should go to that museum soon.
3: Yeah, you should take, take your daughter, daughter there. Madison. You know, speaking about the uh, uh, preservation and DNA studies, did you guys... Uh, listen to our friends in Mysterious Universe, uh, Ben and Aaron, talk about how the FDA uh, like order 23andMe uh, to stop selling their gene test kits.
2: Did did Mysterious Universe talk about that or was it no? Because I heard no agenda talking about oh, it. Maybe yeah. you no. FU- talk FU- about it. if
3: you yeah. talked about it because both Ben and Aaron purchased these kits and... Only Ben was able to uh, get a response from, from the 23 Me company. And I think um, he only
1: got half a response.
3: Yeah, well, it's only an initial response because he, what it's supposed to work is that as the months progress or the years progress, they will get more more and more information out of his uh, saliva sample. So right now he knows that he is like. Three <laughs> percent Neanderthal. <laughs> they were getting a kick out of that, and they also were discussing. Well, like the kind of things they talk about, they they, they will tell you like they if you have like a high risk of uh, prostate cancer or or, or or developing coronary diseases in, as you grow older and all that. But the thing about this is like the FDA has uh, decided to, to bring the hammer down on all these companies who are starting to, to provide to the general public this kind of uh, genetic information. And apparently the FDA thinks that uh, they should regulate whether the public is, is allowed to know about their genetic background. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I think it's all a ploy to somehow get all the genetic
1: information into the hands of the government.
3: Well, maybe that or that these guys kind of uh, freaked out over the fact that uh, doctors weren't really involved into disclosing this kind of information to the general public. So maybe they were thinking that people weren't Educated enough or uh, intelligent enough to really understand what their, uh, these companies, the, the, gene- the genetic, the genetics screening was uh, disclosing to them. So, my... like maybe you 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 read that uh, risk of uh, prostate cancer and you see, oh my God, i ha- I have cancer.
2: Yeah, my first reaction was that it was. Um over regulating and you know that they shouldn't be controlling that but then i kind of had a second thought when when the no agenda guys were talking about it because they're talking about how it's really not a it's really not a prevalent factor right those percentages and 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 that genetic info really is a small percentage of why you would get diseases, right? Like it doesn't—it's not really a telltale sign. There's so many other factors that aren't shown
3: in that. Definitely, because the the saliva sample can't tell you about your your particular lifestyle. You know whether you maybe uh, you consume a lot of red meat or not, whether you exercise or not. I mean, they can only tell you this is what you you. Your genetic background tells you. I mean, you have these uh, predispositions, but <laughs> it can't really tell you about uh, how you are living your life. You know, what kind type of environment you're living in. You know, whether you're living in a, a very stressful environment, whether you're living in a in a city with a lot of chemicals or pollutants, you might be uh, triggering. All those genetic research uh, switches on and off. You know, it's only it's only a part uh, an impo- uh, part of the story. You know, uh, an incomplete part of your, your your health story. Yeah. So, so what do you think, Darren?
1: Just a statistic. I said, what I think I think it's a ploy.
2: Yeah, but get... do you, do you think that they should be allowed to do that then?
1: Sure, I think so. Fire away. You can just—it's better than googling it, I guess. I don't know.
3: I mean, I think that uh, I, I
1: don't—I don't care to look it up personally. But if you want to look it up, why not?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, banning's and impositions, I think, are never a good policy in my book. Because yeah, right. Like, like the guys in him you were saying, maybe then uh, people who are really intense. Of finding out their genetic background, they will go to a country or a company who doesn't have to follow the FDA regulations.
2: Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It'll just force it all underground. That's all.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're just making the people in the organized crime to drool itself because now they're going to have another nice niche market to profit from.
1: Then they're gonna, f- and then they also gonna figure out how to tax it.
3: Maybe, maybe the real reason behind this is that because the FDA wasn't was free, starting to freak out about the, how uh, having all that information out in the open will will affect the insurance company business. You know that maybe somehow someone will will discover that you have this very rare genetic disease, and okay, so because of this, Mister Mister Grimes we have to impose to you a higher premium for your insurance.
1: Yeah, and it'll be mandatory. Yeah. You gotta go get, that's why it's getting so cheap. So You gotta go get the little $25 test, and it'll be something that everyone has to do, and it'll be like your automobile fucking registry, so eventually they fucking get everybody's fucking DNA on record.
3: And maybe the FDA also doesn't know how safe those records really are here in mexico we we really have a problem of uh, uh the government agencies who have all our records and all that information then you find out that it's open on the market you know that someone uh, sold it to to the highest bidder and if you go to to some web page and you, you just type your name it, you, you, they find out not only the, the name of your social security number, for also your cell phone number of where you live, <laughs> maybe even your your credit card account. I don't know. So if that sounds bad, imagine if, if some stranger has uh, on their hands your genetic profile. Yeah, that's scary. Maybe they will even be trying to bribe you, you know, to... to Make some extortion, I like, oh, you're just going to get married, huh? So, uh, have you disclosed to your fiancé that you have this very rare genetic uh, condition that you might uh, pass down to your to your ch- children? Hmm? Yeah, or that you're at risk for some sort of cancer. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you the uh, breathing things about cancer you eventually reach the conclusion that everything causes cancer man yeah yeah it's, it's crazy you know, yeah. The, the, the mere fact of thinking about cancer causes causes cancer mm-hmm.
2: do you ever do that do you ever think about it and then realize you're thinking about it and go holy fuck I better not think about it
3: yeah, sometimes
2: yeah really
3: yeah. yeah, wow I thought that was only me
1: I oh, do tricks you into it.
3: <laughs> yeah, especially if you maybe some, find some kind of weird lump in your back or something, and you say, oh, my fucking God, but then you realize, oh, this is just fucking cyst.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just smoke it off.
3: Yep. Yeah. So speaking about all this, about organized crime and all that, there was this kind of weird news about Uh, virgin galactic you know this company set up by richard branson that is going to in the very near future is is starting to offer uh trips to 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 outer space gravity right yeah exactly and they are now accepting bitcoins to to purchase those space travel tickets
1: 200 grand a seat or something
3: I don't know how what is the exchange rate for bitcoin but they are now accepting them to, for payments so maybe instead of a, a Hollywood uh, movie star sitting right next to you you might have some uh, drug dealer
1: or Bitcoin miner
3: a Bitcoin miner yeah so it's kind of interesting because that that might be the first like uh, big Respectable company that is accepting this new alternative form of uh, uh, currency. I don't see how they can do it though. Now, if somebody buys it for
2: so many bitcoins, then you know, in 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 two years, when it actually comes to fruition, and it's worth ten times more. I don't I don't understand that.
3: Or a hundred times less, because the problem with bitcoin is that it's too uh, like fluctuating, too volatile right yeah. now.
1: I think it's more like a shares it seems like shares of money
2: do you ever think that this is a a step into the new world orders currency for us in the future
3: with Bitcoin yeah I don't know because to me uh, the way I see it right now is Bitcoin is more something like uh, that came out from 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 the people yeah, right. but isn't
2: there a chance that it's going to get taken over by, you know, let's say the Illuminati or the New World Order or the powers that be? Or, the...
3: or... a savvy entrepreneur as a company that wants to uh, stay on the loop. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, if you manage to create something that has the chance to to make a profit, you know that. Capitalists are going to try to get a hold of it. You know that's what happened with Napster, man. You know Napster. Uh, remember back in the early, uh, the mid-nineties when people were downloading moves, uh, uh, songs like crazy, and then came uh, Lars Ulrich one from Metallica. You know, comes kind of ah, oh, Napster is. Uh, fucking robbers they're stealing our music they're going to wreck the music industry and obviously all the music labels sided up with that and obviously they ended up destroying Napster but then came someone like Steve Jobs and said you know what this is kind of the the right idea but the wrong way to do it and here comes iTunes and next thing you know The CD is something of a a relic piece of technology. You know, everybody is downloading uh, and consuming music from the cloud. So maybe uh, right uh, right now, like Bitcoin is like the early adoption of something that is going to be then proposed or offered by some company. And it's going to be massively adopted by the the rest of the population.
2: Hmm. I was thinking more of... uh, Like, I realize that's obviously a huge risk. I mean, that's going to happen. That's almost inevitable. But I was almost thinking of beyond that. Or or is it the same thing?
3: Well, if you think about it, Virgin Galactic is already taking a huge risk. It's offering fucking trips to the space. (laughs) So maybe... You know, accepting bitcoins is not so much of a stretch for them. Yeah, maybe.
1: Well, maybe it's never going to fucking happen.
3: What, the space travels or bitcoins? Nah, the space shuttles. No. The, I think it will happen. I think in 2014, you're going to see the first commercial travel. Maybe
1: Bitcoin. you just pull out a scam. No. Get all these bitcoins and fucking <laughs> disappear.
3: No, man, these guys... These, they don't these fake guys, his own death. No, these, these, these aren't the kind of people who are going to settle with a few hundred million and they're going to, to lose themselves in the Cayman Islands. These guys, they, 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 they are trying to become the first trillionaires.
1: Aren't they saying Andy Kaufman faked his own death?
3: Yeah, we talked about it last time, and, like we said also it seems like it was just like a hoax
1: did we talk about that last time yeah, yeah. Oh, yes no, we did right. holy fuck
3: <laughs> <laughs> man
1: too many talking to too many people lately i'm getting everything all mixed up For some mm. reason i thought we were talking about that on expanded perspectives Were we talking about it on there too
2: yeah, that was great, I eh, being on that show with those guys?
1: Yeah, it was. It was great. Uh, yeah, fuck, we should talk about that, actually. Yeah,
2: it's so cool to have these other guys that are doing what we're doing and, and just be able to chat with them, and everybody's got an open mind, and they want to just learn more, and those guys and, and THC really resonate with me as uh, very similar styles to ours. They
3: are peers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us on, guys, and... uh and uh we'll come back anytime of course we're actually we're, we're on with we're having THC on uh next week or I don't know when the episode will come out but we're doing the interview next week
3: cool well I think that's those were all the top stories that I managed to dig up for you guys this week hmm well thanks Red always a pleasure my friends
2: so coming up we have Alex Sakaris on our show and he's the uh the host of Skeptico, Science at the Tipping Point. Um, Alex is, is doing, he's been battling uh, about over consciousness here for a while and he's got all kinds of fascinating guests on like <clears throat> guys like um, Rupert Sheldrake and Dean Radin and Eben Alexander and then, but he'll also have the other side on, he'll have all the skeptics on like Victor Stinger and Steve Novella <clears throat> and some of those guys. So he uh, he's not afraid to get in the ring with anybody, and he, he it's just uh, it's a fascinating podcast. So if anybody's interested, he's got over 200 episodes now. Uh, skeptical Science at the Tipping Point. So he's coming up. One of my favorites. I've been listening to him for years.
1: Yeah, and he gets he gets flack all over the fucking place too, right? Because I was even looking through his iTunes, and like it seems like everyone expects him like they're all oh, this is supposed to be a skeptical podcast. It's like I don't think he ever said he was a skeptical podcast. I guess if you want to call yourself skeptic anything, then uh, you're expected to, to fucking toe the line.
2: Yeah, actually, I remember hearing uh, about him from the Skeptics Guide to the Universe like five years ago, and, and they were making some comment about his the name of his thing or whatever. And uh, yeah, he he gets flack, but he doesn't. I don't think he bothers him one bit. He just keeps fighting a good battle,
1: fighting the good fight, as it were. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't think, I think that shit about uh, doer. Without further ado, I think we can jump into our, our interview with Alex DeKaris. Uh, you got anything else you want to add there, Graham? No, that's it. All right, uh, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, see you on the other side of the interview. Hey guys, welcome uh, back to Grimerica. We're going to be chatting with Alex Alex Takaris um, of Skeptico um, a little later. But as always, how's it going, Grab?
2: Hey, pretty good, man. Actually, we're going to be chatting with him right now. We have Alex Takaris on the line. Oh, yeah, he's the he's the host of uh, pretty much the number one podcast covering the science of human consciousness. It's called Skeptico, S K E P t-i-k-o and it's science at the tipping point and he'll he'll be uh telling us much more about that i'm sure and it's just a real really really happy to have you on here alex
0: welcome graham it's uh it's exciting to be on with you and darren i'm looking forward to it
1: yeah it's great we've both been uh big fans of your work since long before um, we had a website or a podcast of our own so it's kind of you're one of the people that it's kind of, you know, it's almost a milestone to chat with you. So so I've, so we're really looking forward to it.
0: Wow. now I'm going to be totally uh, intimidated to live up to that oh. kind of billing. So we'll we'll just have to see how it goes. Oh yeah, no not at all. No, it's been
2: it's been inspiring because it's part of part of my journey has been through the the science phase and the, you know, like the Skeptics Guide to the Universe kind of thing and then I I ended up centering around, uh, you know, your style and people more in the middle, and it's just been inspiring listening to you. I don't know how you, you do it. If, if anybody's interested in, uh, you, you came out with a podcast just recently, I think it was The Five Things You Need to Know
0: About Skeptical. Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. episode, episode 229 was the introduction to the show. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So It took me that long, but you know, one thing I was just going to kind of comment on the top of what you were saying, Graham, is, you know, I've always been a fan of, uh, of audio, you know, from way back when I used to listen to books on tape, I think before, you know, most people did. I just liked getting the information in that format, and I was always searching around for, you know, radio shows when the internet first hit, and I could, you know, probe into all these topics, so... I think the real driving force behind me starting Skeptica was maybe similar to where you guys were coming from, in that I heard these shows, and I was like, wow, why didn't they ask this? And is that really what he thinks? And, you know, it was that that drive to want to know more and to be more involved in that process of learning from these people that really made me want to do the thing in the first place.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny how it's it, it almost comes out as an excuse to to talk to these people from our from our vantage point anyway.
0: Completely, oh, I completely agree, and and you know, I said that, and if you listen to that episode two twenty nine, the five things you know, I mean, that's I'm pretty upfront with that at the beginning, is that hey, really, folks, you know, this is about my journey through these big-picture questions, you know, who am I, why am I here, what am I supposed to be doing, and, okay, I'm going to wrap it up in a nice iTunes, uh, WordPress, interview-style format, but it's really just a way so I can answer these questions and talk to the people I really want to talk to. So I think we're saying the same thing, you
1: know.
2: So it's probably a good, a good time for you to summarize um you know,
0: what that podcast is about.
1: Yeah, maybe the genesis.
0: Well, you know, I guess the genesis for me was it it, it seemed obvious to me that there was this debate, you know, there's you just turn on the TV and you see psychic detectives or mediums or telecommunicate or uh, uh, telepathy or all these things as fact, you know, or then you'll see other people come out and say, oh, that's just total garbage. And there seemed to be this real divide. And I thought, well, you know what? I I, I have a hard time believing that it's all bunk. You know, I'm seeing some people that seem credible, reliable, but I'm also curious about these skeptical people because they seem to make a good case, too. And it seemed to me like this was really important stuff you know this was more important than sports or even politics you know this was kind of fundamental stuff about the way the world worked and i just couldn't get enough in terms of an answer so i wanted to find that answer and that's really what what started it out for me and uh, you know one of the people that i found interesting from the beginning is cambridge biologist rupert Sheldrick. and one of the things i liked about uh cheldrick is He's really straight, he's really smart, number one, but he's really straightforward, really matter of fact. He doesn't back down, people get into space and say all these terrible things about him. He doesn't really respond in kind, he's just really level-headed and says, no, here are the facts, here's the way it is, here's the data, here's how we did it, and here are the results. And it just seemed to me that that debate Kept coming down pretty clearly on the side of Sheldrick, so I wanted to see if there was another side to that story that I wasn't getting, and whether there were similar kind of issues that were out there that maybe weren't getting exposed the way they should be.
2: So, who else would be uh, one of your like? If you were to point these our our listeners and other people to. Some of the clearest evidence, or your favorite proponents of the duality of consciousness, like who else would you say then?
0: Well, so I started with with Sheldrick was actually the first person I interviewed, which was a fantastic. Wow. Yeah, and and, and what generosity on his part. I mean, he is, yeah, you know, he is quite. The intellectual, quite the academic, impressive credentials, and, and for him to be generous enough to, to grant that interview. And we had had some dialogue before that. I thought it was great. And then from there, I went to Dean Radin, you know, who's at another, uh, you know, for people who are familiar with this field, know that Dean Radin has done some of the most careful and comprehensive work in trying to nail down this psi, this parapsychology kind of phenomena. And, but I guess what I was always driving at, so I like the fact that Sheldrick and Raiden were very experimentally oriented, you know, and I got involved in trying to help Sheldrick actually do his Dogs That Know experiment. <clears throat> so, for folks who don't know, he famously wrote this book called Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home with exactly what the experiment was. He did these experiments where he would videotape the dog and then the owner would be five miles away in another car in a taxi and would start to come home and the dog would boom, you know, go right to the window and perk up and be anticipating that owner's arrival. It was some kind of telepathic link was formed between some dogs and some dog owners. Mm-hmm. The evidence was overwhelming and he had videotaped evidence and um, so we went about trying to replicate that. And I actually did some halfway decent replications with some folks that I'd found. I found, you know, I ran ads, I tried to find people, I sent them equipment, video equipment, computers, and this and that. And uh, so I was actually engaged early on in kind of trying to help these guys bring attention to these experiments and further these experiments. And that was a while ago, right? How long, how long oh, ago was no, that? That was at least five years ago. Right. At least five years ago. But right. what that led to is, y- y- you see one, how difficult it is to do those experiments mm-hmm. and to do them well. And number two, how I, I guess this is one of the big things I came away from pretty, as I got into this process, is in terms of really Deciding an issue, changing minds, having people go, oh, my gosh, now I see, you know, no, it, it, <laughs> no, it don't happen. No. It, it it ain't, you know, it's, it's like this thing I said about Skeptico, you know, the first rule of Skeptico is follow the data wherever it leads. And the second rule I found out the hard way is it's not about the data. It's about everything else, you know? So you can show people the best, most convincing data in the world. If it contradicts, conflicts with their worldview, man, they ain't have none of it, you know? Cause they don't want to change the way they've built their little, none of us want to change the way we've constructed our little reality, you know? Well,
2: the bar gets raised and, and then uh, things get ignored. Um, I listened to when I was listening to the Skeptics Guide to the Universe quite a few years ago, I mean, Raiden and Sheldrake both got a pretty uh, raw deal from those guys. I mean, it, it was it was pretty f- unreal listening to to that side, and then delving in a little bit more uh, to the other side.
0: Oh, absolutely! You know, I did several shows with Steve Novella. I was on his show. He's on my show, and then we did a couple of follow-up shows. Yeah. And uh, you know. Uh, He's a nice guy, but he's just mired in the same bullshit that everyone on that side is. I mean, it's just you, you catch him in the stuff, you call him on the stuff, and then it, it kind of slips through your fingers, and there's nothing there at the end of the day. So anyone can go back and listen to those. I think it's pretty well documented where he he you just he's just not right about some stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's right about some stuff, but. There's some stuff, the big stuff, he's just completely out the lunch. I mean, where, where this led me, uh, Graham, and anyone who listens to The Skeptical Show will know, is I kind of moved off the parapsychology stuff, not because I didn't think it was really, really good evidence of consciousness being more than just this, illusion created by a biological robot, like I I like to say, you know, I like to say, hey, this is what we're up against. We're up against the scientific establishment, which most people don't don't really grok this, you know, but what you're, if you have kids like I do and they go to school, what they teach you in school is your consciousness, the sum total of your human experience It's an illusion created by a biological robot. Now that is the mainstream science understanding of consciousness. You can go, Go on the street and pull anyone aside and explain to them what that means. I go, oh, bullshit! That's not. That's ridiculous. Of course, it's not. I'm not. I'm not. A, my life isn't an, an illusion. I'm not a biological robot. I love my family. Oh no, no, no! You don't. You're a biological robot. You can't love. You know. Oh, I, but I, I, I chose beer. No, you didn't make any decisions. You don't have free will. It's just a totally absurd notion. But it's kind of you know how academics have kind of twisted themselves into this philosophical pretzel that they can't get themselves out of without, because they have this fear that if they move beyond that, what they're really afraid of is that the Pope's going to run in and the church is going to take over or something like that. And there's a lot of other space in there, but that's the way this whole thing has been, you know, broken down in our thing is that you know, if we allowed for there being something more to consciousness, then, gosh, we'd have to let God back in the equation. Anything but that.
2: Um, the, one of the reasons why I stopped listening to that is 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 not just for the, the ignorance of some of the evidence, but it was the ridicule factor, right? Like, just when they kept making fun of uh, whatever, right? Somebody who's seen a UFO or had to out-of-body experience or an NDE, like... The, just the amount of of ridicule and, and the just making fun of these people like they're idiots. It just uh, it just that's that's why one of the reasons I want to do this podcast and that's kind of what bugs me the most. Like I have that in common with you where it's not about the dad anymore. It's about people's worldviews and not not allowing those to change.
0: What do you think that's about, really? And what do you think that is about? That ridicule, have to put other people down that
2: i don't I don't know i that's kind of what fascinates me about this is is why why do people have to go to that level like and then I worry about it, maybe I'm doing that to the skeptics, like and I want to try and be aware of my own because I can get pretty heated and, and annoyed like I honestly don't know how you how you do it like you I admire your courage and your and your tenacity in the, in this battle against them I mean, and I don't even like like to call it a battle, but really like i I don't think I could do that
0: yeah. What's been, Darren, what's your take on that, on um, dealing with the skeptics? Um. Well, <clears throat> I kind of,
1: I'm kind of almost, I'm I'm more of the skeptical of the two of us for sure. Right. So, but my, I mean, my personal worldview is live and let live pretty well. Like I'm pretty easy to get along with. I can, so I can sit down and have a conversation with a skeptic or a, a "Quote unquote believer," and 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 be civil with either or. But I I don't know. It's almost like a defense mechanism, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's kind of hard to approach because on one hand, you know, to be too accepting, and this might sound weird, but to be too accepting and non-challenging of some of this skeptical silliness. It has almost a condescending tone to it as well you know if I go oh yeah yeah you know all right I I hear you I think you're totally full of crap but yes I hear you and your right to speak is just as valuable as mine you know if that's not really what then that that to me seems worse than say hey wait a minute you know that's not what I've found tell me uh, tell me if I'm wrong teach me something new but I'm not going to agree just for the sake of not being confrontational you know
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And I I definitely struggle with that. That's uh, very valid. (laughs) Um, I also am going through a phase right now, though, where I don't understand why we need to prove so much. Like, why can't we just let people have their experiences? And why does everything, even all these people that stand in the middle, you know, that, that aren't believers, that aren't skeptics, everything seems to need proof. Like, why Why is that in our – and you, me, Darren, our society, why do we all want to prove stuff?
0: Well, you know, that's where I think what we're just saying. It, it gets super deep really fast. You know what I mean? We <laughs> dig into these things and you say, gee, why, you know, what's this thing about worldview and why don't we want to change our beliefs and stuff like that? I mean it gets really psychological and even spiritual really quickly. But I, I think – from my own personal experience and looking at myself in the mirror. It's about control, you know? I want a world that I feel somewhat in control of, you know? I mean, I eat the same breakfast almost every day, you know? I love that, you know? but. I guess probably part of the reason is it gives me a sense of control. You know, I have my little routines, my things my do, not the things I do. I, I'm open to a lot of information, a lot of new ideas, but there is this deep-seated need I have to try and create this control because I think what it's really all about is I realize that I'm not really in control of any of the most important things. I mean, I I really don't know if it's going to rain tomorrow. And if I have plans that are dependent on the weather, you know, I'm at the mercy of the weather. I don't have control. And I think most of my life, I don't have control, so I try and create the illusion control. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about with all this stuff. I think that's exactly what both the skeptics are doing, and I think that's what the fundamentalist religious people are doing as well. I mean, they're just trying to create this belief system that makes their world make sense, gives them a sense of control, gives them a sense that things are going to turn out okay. And uh, like I say, I'm right in the soup with everybody else. I, 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 you know, I want that too
1: make the world a little less scary.
0: Absolutely.
2: So lately you've been you've been uh braving the the UFO field a little bit, dipping your toes in that water. <laughs> um that's it's funny because UFOs and consciousness ever since uh well I've been into UFOs on and off since I was 20, but the consciousness thing more recently but there's commonalities in those two mysteries to me. Like, they're both really big mysteries with lots of evidence, you know, with huge implications to humanity, and they're still being ignored and ridiculed by the mainstream. So it's it's kind of fascinating to see you uh, go down that path a little bit and, and explore the the overlap between those two phenomena.
0: Well, it's been really interesting for me, and we were talking a little bit before we started about your interview with Grant Cameron, who... I think, is someone who really helped me um, see the connection with the consciousness angle for the UFO community and also see the position that that uh, that idea holds within the UFO community. Because as you guys probably know, because you're more plugged into it, it's not a popular position. It's not a popular idea to suggest that the ufo phenomena the contactee abductee phenomena is all mixed up with this extended human consciousness be it near-death experience or out-of-body experience or hallucinogenic experience or all these other things that lie beyond this kind of biological robot thing but that are really real you know to think that those were all meshed together in some way that we can't understand at this point is not super popular among the ufo crowd you know
1: no the nuts and bolts guys take it almost as a slap in the face
0: yeah why is that
1: i don't know i guess it's probably you know you see it a lot more in the older you know because you know like most ufologists you see are not to be stereotypical but they're you know in their 50s or they're a little bit older and I think it's just you know a lot of these guys have probably been at it for you know twenty or thirty years, swearing up and down that it's it's nuts and bolts and their actual craft. And, and I don't know, it's the same, it's the same same sort of control thing again, right?
2: Because it's easier to uh-huh. prove, or they think it's going to be easier to prove. Uh, yeah,
0: maybe that's it. Yeah, and and maybe like you're saying, Darren, you don't want to. Think about having to trash that big old filing cabinet of eight and a half by eleven glossy photos you yeah, have of lights in the sky. You know, like oh god, if I have to go throw those in the dumpster, I'll, I'll never feel the same.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So you being aware of
2: of the uh, the challenge that that part of ufology has, did that give you any hesitation dipping into that, or how did was there was there
0: any hesitation on your part? No, you know, I had the advantage really of coming at this thing organically, you know, like I said, growing it from just this simple thing of, hey, why why is it such a crazy idea that some dogs, you know, wait at the window when they're when their owners come home. <laughs> you know, and and then growing that into the near death experience and saying, gee, you know, if these doctors in hospital are seeing people die on the table and then have them come back and tell them that they have one brown Sock on and one blue sock on, and the doctor, you know, who knows better can say that. Then that was a grounding to when I walked into the UFO kind of issue. I was like, no, you know, I, I understand. I understand how these controversies can get polarized and how there can be a truth there that people, that, that stares people in the face and they continue to deny it. And I think I also came with this sensibility that. There is this extended human consciousness that if we don't factor it into the equation, we we just we're not even we're not even in the same ballpark. You know, like you were mentioning a minute ago, Darren, about the nuts and bolts. You know, hey, fine, nuts and bolts, study it all day long. But if it's not back to consciousness at some point, then it, we're we're playing the minor leagues. We're not playing the we're not playing the big picture questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What happens to me after I die?
1: Isn't it funny how people are almost more willing to accept that, you know, a dog can sense its owners coming home or that, you know, wild animals can sense when a storm is coming and and get out of the area and things like that than they are to think that maybe humans can have something like an ability of the same sort.
0: Totally. You know, and, and that's... One of the reasons I really, because I put some money as well as some time behind those experiments with Sheldrick because we both thought that, hey, this is a way to kind of backdoor this parapsychology thing, you know? (laughs) Because people are so in love with their animals. Understandably, I love animals too, but that you know, just like you said, they'll let that in. They'll be oh wow, isn't that cool? How that dog, you know, that link with the owner and stuff like that. Not realizing that then they are then accepting that telepathy is has a realness to it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it. it just we just never could find that killer dog that could do it over
2: and did, over again. Did you did you ever do it with cats? Because I swear my cat knows when I'm coming home.
0: Well, you know, Sheldrick's data says that cats do it not as much, but like a lot. I mean, cats do it like half as much as dogs. This is from self reports, right? So yeah, 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 You write a book like that, and you get all these letters, and yeah. yeah. So <laughs> cats do it all. Cats do it all the time. What kind of cat do you have?
2: Oh, just a little stray cat, like a black and white, not a... Yeah, yeah, you
0: know, no, not really like a kind, yeah. fancy, not a fancy... No, not uh, a
2: coon or anything. That's probably <laughs> what I would
0: get next time. <laughs> we have... Uh, we have. My daughter has a, a Russian blue. I guess we all have it, and she's yeah. a really, she's a really um, sweet cat, but uh, I don't think she knows when we're coming home, but she sure as heck doesn't like when she's left alone.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I have a pug, and he doesn't know much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you never know because most people don't know this because they don't have, you know, someone who's home when they're not home and, and it's kind of monitoring it because a lot of times, you know, that's what it takes. It takes, I think, in the case of uh, Sheldrick and, and the dog JT that really was his superstar dog, if I remember correctly... Um, Oh, I don't want to get the story wrong, but I almost think that it was JT's caretaker. uh, Her parents were over at the house and her parents observed it, you know, more than she did. And that's what really kind of sparked them kind of observing it more, you know, because they saw the dog acting when, you know, no one when they shouldn't when the dog shouldn't have been doing it.
1: And we've even seen some science that shows that maybe even plants might have that similar ability.
0: Yeah, the plant thing is just crazy, isn't it? I mean, because it just it it, it just totally blows changes apart. everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
2: so um, I do have a couple questions before I forget. Here, they're from uh, Red Pill Junkie, who's a huge fan of yours, also, and he's uh, a contributor, a regular contributor to the Grimerica show. So he's, he's asking here, have you or someone else close to you ever experienced an event like the ones you often discuss in your show, like NDEs or OBEs, etc.? And if not, would you like to?
0: You know, I, I think that <laughs> I have, a, I, I think that's an advantage that I have is that I'm not like a psychic person. I, I guess I've noticed a tiny bit more of it, you know, a little bit of synchronicity here and there, uh, I, I had a, a guest on who, uh, a couple of guests on who talked about dreaming and lucid dreaming, and I did have a couple of lucid dreams and still do occasionally have a lucid dream, but for the most part, no, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any of that stuff, I didn't know anyone who had any of that stuff, the first time I really had a, a medium reading or reading with a psychic was after I had been on the show for a while, I had been doing the show for a while, and said, hey, you know, I need Do this, and I need to do it in a somewhat controlled way. You know, and I actually set that up. You know, it's not hard to do. You know, you you hire a, a psychic or a medium, and you say, Hey, look, here's what would be most useful to me. And I recommend people to do this. I thought it was a great experience for me. Is you say, You know, what would be most useful for me? To validate the reality of this is for me not to say anything. So if that's okay with you, I'm not going to give you any information. I'd like you just to do a reading without me saying anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found all the mediums I worked with. Actually, the first two mediums, the readings were horrible. They were terrible, but. They said at the end, they go, I don't know what's wrong. I can't do this. I'm giving you your money back. Two people said this. And then, um, you know, so everyone thinks mediums are, you know, I'll try to rip you off and stuff like that. I found just the opposite. And then uh, the third reading, I had a really pretty Amazing reading that way, and uh, it was it was evidential. But in terms of the broader question, you know, have I had those kinds of experiences—near death experience, out of body experience? I guess I think I I told you, no, and you know, only really minor ones. Would I like to have one? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm open to it. You know, I've gotten interested in this. Uh, life between lives hypnotic regression i was actually interested in a few years ago tried to do it um and the guy who i hired to do it was really not good and there was no results but i'm kind of up for doing that again and i'll certainly report on my results on skeptico
1: is that like the waiting room thing where you're you're in the waiting room waiting for your to jump into your next body
0: yeah, kinda. Of. So what you do you know, I guess again, I'm I'm cautiously skeptical on it, but there's a ton of ton of people that have experienced it. And then of course, you know, when you break that apart, like Darren, you said you're the, the kind of skeptic of the group. And the way I break those things down is I say, Okay. So there's this reported phenomenon, past lives. Okay. So first, before I jump in and do a past life regression with a therapist or anything like that, I have to establish, is there some reality to this past life thing? And fortunately in that case, you know, we can go look at the work of Ian Stevenson, Passed away now, but was at the University of Virginia, who did just some phenomenal work. Uh, Dr. Jim Tucker at University of Virginia has followed up on his work. Anyone who digs into that, I mean, it's 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 solid, solid stuff. There's a I've talked to several people on the show who said, "Hey, I was completely a skeptic about all this stuff, and I saw the quality of Stevenson's work, the methodology, how meticulous it was, and that was really made me kind of." Uh, a convert. And I think it's really strong. That's why I break it down. I go, okay, is there a reality to past lives? Well, there seems to be a lot of evidence that suggests that there's some reality to it. So then I'm like, okay, well, with that as my grounding, let me go experience and see what that, you know, experience leads for me. But I haven't done that very often.
2: Have you thought about going to the Monroe Institute? To, to, they have a couple programs like that that uh, sort of help you you know, leave your body through listening to the music and being in sort of a quiet, sort of sensory-deprived type environment.
0: I'd be open to that. I haven't done it. I did a class with <clears throat> a guest I had on, Graham Hancock. I mean, <laughs> Graham Nichols. Oh, okay. And... Uh, and and he does out of body uh, work, and uh, you know I did that, and you know I, I wasn't really able to achieve much, but it was it was interesting. I think it's a path you know that worth pursuing. But that's about as far as I got.
2: Yeah, that was a fascinating podcast. I've uh, I've been meaning to to actually dig more into that. I mean, this whole all the topics that you cover are topics that uh, we'd like to explore deeper for
0: sure. I'm sure you will, you know, I mean, you, you get into this stuff and you just go where you're, where you're led. But I think most of us wind up hitting these pretty big needy topics. And that's one of them. I out of body stuff is just mind blowing, but it's, it's, it's pretty central to understanding, you know, that we are not just this thing stuck inside this body.
2: I have another question from Red Pill Junkie here. He must have been listening to your latest couple episodes because I recognize the terms here. But he says, what is it that we need in order to progress beyond the stuck-on-stupid impasse we're currently immersed in with regards to the nature of human consciousness?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know. You know, my, my stuck-on-stupid thing was... In that episode, in the introductory episode 229, I I, I said that I personally on the show wanted to move past that, you know, stuck on stupid. The example I used is, uh, you know, did Noah's Ark have nails in it? You know, it's like, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. We could argue whether Noah's Ark had nails in it or whether it didn't but I'm kind of stuck on Noah being 500 years old and getting all these animals and putting them on the boat. I mean, to me, that seems like the main point, not this other point, you know, but when you get in, and the flip side of that, like I said in the show was, you know, the arguments that you'll get into with people about near death experience and about, you know, could it have been some deep part of the brain that still working and, you know, this and that. And it's like, well, you know, whether there was some deep activity inside the brain that was beyond the reach of the EEG that measures the outer cortical, you know, activity, I'm still hung up on the fact that the guy had his eyes closed and could see the gurney coming in from, you know, a hundred yards away and could hear a conversation three floors down and, you know, all the rest of that. So. If you can explain the out of body experience and the hyper lucid tele- telepathy that they experienced, you know, then we have something to talk about. But otherwise, I'm not really interested in you know last gasp of a dying rat's brain or anything. Else. Those are stuck on stupid debates. And there's so many. I guess the point that that I, I, he's getting at, which I, I totally get. And, and agree with is there's a lot of really interesting debates to have. You know, we touched on the UFO thing. I mean, what is going on with that with that connection with that other consciousness? Or if we get into the NDE area, you know, why are these NDEs so Fantastical, so you know, out there. I mean, so okay, they're happening, these people are dead, and they're having these hyperlucid experiences, but why are they so weird and so different and you know, flying on the wing of a butterfly like Evan Alexander, and then this other person sees this, and this other person seeing something totally different. I mean, what's going on there, you know? But but you'll never get to those if you stay in the stuck on stupid kind of debates you know you'll, you'll just never get to those level two discussions and that's where I want to go
1: yeah you almost have to be able to like put your differences aside to get into that deeper level right you have to I don't know it's hard to find those kind of conversations nowadays
0: yeah well I think it is but you know I, I got to pick on that word there I don't think you can put your differences aside exactly I think it's back to what you know, we were talking about before. It's like, you know, that that, that has the potential of being kind of meaningless. You know, it's like, look, if you think that your consciousness is an illusion created by you, a biological robot, then we need to have a different conversation. I don't want to bypass that and say, okay, I know you think that, but come on in and let's have this conversation over here. That just isn't going to work. You know, if, if that's the conversation you want to have, if you really think that's the way that it works or, you, you know, you're not convinced that, uh, that consciousness and that your mind is anything more than your brain, if that's where you're at, I'd rather have that discussion with you and it might be more confrontational I'm going to hammer you with the same kind of arguments. But then, if you're beyond that, then I think, hey, go, let's go over on the side and have that other conversation. But I don't really want you in that in that first conversation because it just doesn't work. We've all been there on the internet and in person. You're you just not going to make any progress. It's like talking to to a person who's, you know, has this kind of fundamental religious bent. I mean, you, you you'll we've been there. You know, you talk for an hour and then they they spin around and they're starting to quote Bible scriptures again. You're like. Well, wait a minute. I thought we're past that, you know?
2: About how things are going to open up because I think in the past, you know, five, ten years, um, things have been opening up more. I, you know, I know people in my life definitely feel more comfortable talking about all these unexplained phenomena, but I think it's almost like there's so many people now that either know somebody that they love, almost like Red Pill Junkie's question, or they've had strange experiences that the mainstream. You know, scientific community can't explain, that that number just keeps growing and growing. And as people feel more comfortable and open about talking about it, it's almost like there's going to be a, a tipping point where our consciousness shifts because so many people have had this. And I mean, that's why I think so many people are into conspiracies, because there's stuff going on all the time with people that they have they love or with them and yet there's a denial still this blanket of denial in our society and i think that it's only a matter of time before that shifts
0: yeah you might be right i've never been too big on the the shift because (laughs) i think we, we can have a tendency to kind of you know, group think and, and kind of get in our own little enclave, and, you know, we all see ourselves going in the same way. That's one thing I do appreciate about at least keeping the door open, like I was saying, to that skeptical argument, you know, is that it connects me with the fact that. The conclusions I've come to are extremely unpopular, you know, and I have to deal with that. I I, I can deal with it. I'm okay with it, but I don't want to forget that because it leads me to think that to kind of think that, gee, you know, I'm I'm in the majority. You know, it doesn't everyone realize that NDEs are real and abductions are really happening, and you know, some of these conspiracies are obviously true. You know, it's like. Whoa, you know you are you now with those three statements, put yourself in a small, small, small,
1: you know part of the population It's got to be like what well, you've been at this since i I think around oh seven, um, uh-huh. which i, yeah, I there must not have been a lot of a lot of stuff like this out there back then
0: I, you know there there uh, gosh, I don't know I, I think there there was I mean there's more now, but you know I, i've changed somewhat too so you know i target it's the it's the man in the river thing you know the man man crosses a river once and when he crosses it a second time neither him or the river are the same you know i think i, I think that's all, everything's always changing
1: so 230 episodes in uh, um I guess it's it's pretty fair to say that you've tipped tipped more into the the believing side of things uh, the entire time have, Has there ever been a a time that made you made you just say huh or, or have you had any Aha moments I suppose
0: I, I have I have to say you know The big first big surprise was that the skeptical arguments were as they were you know really early on, I kind of found that out. And uh, the, the the most dramatic example I remember that was, again, it was Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and Steve Novella. And he had done this interview with uh, Dr. Ray Hyman from University of Oregon, skeptic, CIA guy, the CIA hired him to kind of Uh, diss the whole Stargate remote viewing thing, and he did a good job of that. But Ray Hyman came on his show, and and he just made all these really disparaging comments about Dean Radin. Oh, the guy, you know, he's quite a character. He switched data, you know, to fit his his hypothesis, da-da-da-da. So I... Did this before my interview with Raiden. This was like the second show. And I've told other people this, but I always remember it. I didn't know what Raiden was going to say. It was one of those good moments, you know, like a, a radio moment. If I, if I felt like a real journalist here, you know, it's like, because I didn't know what the guy's going to say. And I said, okay, you know, here's the clip. Here's what these guys are saying. What's the deal? And uh, Dean Raiden is really, really smart and really savvy you know he's been through the mill enough and he just tore Hyman apart just piece by piece very calmly and he just ex- what he had said as complete and utter bullshit and anyone can go back and i have summarized it a couple times in the show but he just showed how like first thing Hyman said is hey he never repeats this experiment and then he goes even he admits that I repeated the experiment uh, three times, and since then it's been repeated 29 times at seven different labs across the, the, the world. And then he you know, went about tearing apart the other things about him, messing with the data and meta-analysis and all that stuff. I won't go into it. But that was really a moment. And then the second moment, I mentioned this in episode 229, is this series of interviews I did with science journalist Ben Radford, skeptic. Hardcore skeptic. And it was on psychic detectives. Mm. And we we picked this case, this murder case, and it was really a, a fascinating little project we did because we had this case that the police had agreed that the psychic had helped solve the case. I shouldn't say that. See, this is how the skeptics pick it apart. She didn't help solve the case. She provided information that no one could have possibly known, amazing information, that turned out to be true, and it may have helped the police solve the case. Okay, there we go, subtle difference, but it's different. Anyways, I get Ben Radford on, and we do this series of interviews. To his credit, he went and interviewed the psychic. He went and interviewed the from the New Jersey police and the lieutenant from the New Jersey police. I interviewed these people, too, independently. Then Ben and I got together at the end of the show, and you know, Ben says, hey, I found these discrepancies. And I was like, uh, no, I have, the, I have a transcript of the interview. He didn't say that. So the discrepancy centered around, we're gonna get into some real detail here, but just said we could kinda go anywhere with it, and I love this story. Yeah, sure. The psychic. Nancy Weber had said all this amazing stuff. She had psychically seen the killer, said, hey, this guy is from this area. He actually lives in the hollow. He lived in the hollow, which was this little within this area. You know, I think it was in, in Pennsylvania, bordering New Jersey, whatever. And he goes, but he went down to Florida, and he was in prison because for killing somebody. But, oh, my God, they let him out, and he came back. So then she went on to describe him physically, at this widow's peak, she described his name, she got you know pieces of the name, stuff like this. So here's the piece that Ben Radford focused on. He goes, hey, in my interview, they didn't say Florida. The cops said the South. <laughs> no, no, okay, you, you gotta laugh, right? I mean, all this other stuff, yeah, all that other stuff is true, but, that's a, but I said, no, wait a minute. They said Florida. So we called up the first guy, Captain Moore, I got right in Ben's face. He goes, "No, I did not say that. I told you, Florida. She said Florida. She told us he went down to Florida." <laughs> okay, okay. So he kind of gathers himself. We go and interview, and then he goes, "Yeah, but the other guy, uh, what was his name? Hughes, the uh, uh, Lieutenant Hughes. He told me the South." So we call up Lieutenant Hughes, and he goes, uh, "He goes, hey, you know, I might have used." The general term, the South, with you, but she said Florida. I remember Florida. Okay. So he's slapped down here. He's completely defeated, right? He goes on the skepticality uh, broadcast, podcast, and he repeats. He says, I interviewed the cops, and the cops said that they didn't agree with. Nancy Weber, and that Nancy, you know, all this, and he goes into the Florida South thing as an example of this. So that, for me, was a moment when I realized that it's not really about, you know, proving anything. Here, we had spent hours and hours and hours, all these transcripts, all these you know interviews, and, you know, he, he's going to lie at the end of it anyway, and unfortunately that happens that happens You know, whether it's intentional on in somebody's part in that they're saying hey, I just have to deceive and bring themselves you know, to accepting it so they kind of make something up in their mind I don't know but that's not the first time that's happened it was just the most dramatic example that kind of turned me to go ah you know it's really not about the data it's about all this other stuff
2: and again in that in that specific instance focusing on the south instead of florida for a psychic detective and if you really looked deep into that phenomenon i mean there's a lot of evidence and there's a lot of cops that'll tell you that they use them and they're successful and it's just another one of these areas that just gets uh, underrated and overlooked
0: completely and then you go on wikipedia you you want a oh, real no, don't, but, oh yeah anyone out there yeah uh, go on wikipedia and look for psychic detective and ben radford is featured prominently in that article as well (laughs) there you go there you go they've got
2: control over wiki too
1: so um doesn't everyone have control over wiki no really isn't that how it works it's
0: supposed to work that way
1: oh i've never tried to wiki anything (laughs)
0: Well, we'll pick something really controversial, Darren, and go in and try and change somebody's page. Yeah, well, there's that whole Sheldrake thing, right, about his (laughs) page, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: yeah. I remember some some dude in a wife beater down in Florida, too, that was uh, his, like, life mission was to change everything written about global warming or something like that or Uh something uh. along those lines. And I remember they, like, they showed a picture of him, and he's, like, wearing a dirty wife beater. And it's just like, come on, man. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: there, there was some guy, I understand, when the Sheldrick thing on Wikipedia hit, and if anyone isn't familiar with it, they can Google it and they'll quickly find it, but <laughs> Wikipedia admitted that <clears throat> there there had been a couple of people that had really kind of rigged the system and created a bunch of you know sock puppets and then had gone around and done just thousands, like you're saying, thousands of posts on a particular topic in order to... You know, in one case it was to defame this one guy. This guy had this feud with somebody who's just trying to destroy his reputation. So yeah, it's pretty bad.
1: The wonderful world of bots. Yeah.
2: Hey, I was uh, shocked. Yeah. I was shocked when I um, started digging into this and thinking about why or, why now when we're in the information age, that I was thinking intuitively or like logically, you'd think we'd all be coming towards this common middle of truth. But for some reason, and and you know, you've explained it many times on your show, and it's there's studies now that show how we take little bits of information of what we want to reinforce our our worldview. But it's it's hard to I, who was it? Steve Volk uh, came out with that fringeology book, and I heard him talking quite a bit about it. and It really opened my eyes to the the, the polarization of all these belief systems, even though we have all this information now people just take what they want and then we we get more and more polarized so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that
0: well what do do you guys think about you know i hear a lot about people from people who think that the internet is going to be this tremendous you know instrument of change along those lines do you think do you think that's overhyped or do you think we should have already seen it if it was going to happen or you know is is that kind of what you, what we're headed towards?
1: I think uh, I think it's starting to happen. I think there's just a little bit too much. I don't know, too much. Um, I don't know. There's still just a little bit too much control on it. I think from like the corporate world and like just these giant companies <clears throat> like. Right now, the the people don't control the internet as much as the corporations do, but I think it's a start. Like people getting to talk to each other from all over the world, and and finding groups that before they might have not been able to find anyone to talk to about certain That's things in their own in their little towns or their little corner of the world. So it can help people come off an island, I suppose.
2: That's what I think the main thing is. It's it's connecting. Like-minded people, which which who knows what the effect will end up being? It could polarize things more because people have the ability now to to get in their little paradigm and stay there in a comfort zone. But I mean, that's I think what's going to happen over the next five, ten years is just going to get more and more like that.
1: Yeah, and it's got to be a start. Like that can it can't be? A, I can't I can't look at it in a way that it is a bad thing. I can't see. You mean? I mean, obviously, the internet has its problems, but I mean, the idea of everybody being able to commute with each, communicate with each other and, and stay up to date on different things, um, I think, is wholly positive.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I think more is, more is not always all better, but in general, I agree, it's better.
1: Yeah, it's just we need to get more people online so that everybody has the equal, I don't know, voice, as it were.
0: Yeah, I think the great thing about, you know, you mentioned the corporate thing, and it's funny to think back, you know, 15, even 20 years ago, there were a lot of people that were predicting that the Internet would be much more corporate than it is right now. And I think it's that long tail that you kind of alluded to where, you know, there's just a million little niches out there, I think is, is really the strength of the Internet, and I think it's going to continue to be that way you know not everybody goes it's not a one size fits all it's not a oh i'll just go to yahoo that's all i need or wherever
1: so speaking of the uh, the internet and technology and things like that have you um have you what's your take on uh, on the simulation theory and on everything being information and things like that like where does that kind of fit into into your your journey so far
0: You know, I've touched on it a couple times, and I think it, I don't think it holds very well, you know. I I just, I'm struck by the difference between, you know, that model of things and these extended conscious experiences, you know, or what people call spiritually transformative experiences with near-death experience being one, but there being many ways to achieve it, you know, some guy goes to the Amazon and does ayahuasca, you know, and his life has changed forever. I don't see the burr slash parallels that I would expect to see if there was a lot to the, you know, information, you know, Tom Campbell, virtual reality kind of thing. You know, I I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't ring true to me. What, What do you guys think? I haven't really thought about it in terms of uh,
2: like equating it to the consciousness, like the duality of consciousness. It seems to make sense to me on a surface, looking at everything like a computer program. But then when you're right, when you take away that sort of spiritual aspect, which I'm, I've, you know, freely admit I'm kind of new agey and I'm a little bit more spiritual than Darren for sure over here or new agey anyways. But so I haven't really thought about it like that.
1: I'm not an atheist, though.
2: No.
0: (laughs) Um, well, I think the spiritual part. I mean, the spiritual part for me is is again, I, I, I draw I draw a parallel with the analogy I was making about the past life thing. You know, it's like okay, so I look at the near death experience and I say, okay, is this happening? And gosh, we can get a pretty good handle on it and say, yeah. The, by all accounts, all reasonable, fair minded people will say, yes these people are having a conscious experience when they are dead when their brain has no electrical activity which we have no model for they are having the most hyper lucid conscious experience of their life okay so then that to me point for some really deep spiritual questions because darn it that's what these people come back and say they don't come back and say that the most profound part of it was the tunnel or the this or that they say man it was the love it was that white light thingy and i encountered it and it just blew me away and suddenly you know i was transformed well man that's where we gotta go we can't shy away from it because it's spiritual you know i mean let's dive right into the middle of that sucker Hmm.
1: it's funny how you 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 get the same feeling from uh um a heroic dose of mushrooms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's a really. Interesting. I, I you definitely do in in some cases, but but maybe not. I mean, there there you get the parallels with the UFO abduction thing. You know, hey, is that a shamanic experience? You know, is that a, or or is that shamanic experience? an illusion for something else. You know, I also think it's interesting. What do you guys think of, um, and I haven't talked about this on the show. I don't think, but what do you think of the whole Terrence McKenna thing and the heroic doses and him, not his brother coming out and kind of outing him and saying, you know, he ain't done. He didn't do no heroic doses for years. Cause he had a few too many heroic doses. Yeah. Actually,
1: yeah. We actually had uh, Dennis on, um, Oh, must, oh you did. must have been a—he f- uh, was one of our, I think, one of our fifth or fifth or sixth, I want to say, guests.
0: Oh, thanks for telling me that. I'm going to dig that up and and, uh, and listen to that. Great.
1: Yeah, and and uh, um, I don't know. Definitely, it was a whole new look on because I had I had had experiences with those sort of things in the past when I was kind of doing a lot of partying. I, I had never really given him much credence as anything other than recreational. And then after kind of stumbling upon Dennis and Terrence and talking to, to Terrence, it kind of or to Dennis, sorry, it kind of gave me a newfound respect for um, maybe some of the things that they have to offer.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure I I uh, I heard exactly what you heard about that. Then I don't think I heard it in that context where um, Terrence was not supposedly doing heroic doses.
0: Did. I'm sorry. That's what I I definitely I definitely heard that because it made a big stir. Do you remember that, Darren? I mean, part of what he came out with was that. Um, I mean, he didn't totally out him like uh, like a, a scam. Because Terrence McKenna is awesome. I just love him. And I mean, he's just one of the greatest speakers and, and presenters you know ever. But yeah, I, I guess that was the 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 nut the the net of it was that no, he was not you know
1: eating mushrooms all the time
0: doses yeah I think... he, wasn't, he just wasn't doing he wasn't specifically he wasn't doing these huge doses that he was kind of you know he because you know he liked to he liked to talk and like to kind of pump it up you know it's like no man unless you're doing seven grams you know all this stuff <laughs> so it's like yeah no that's <clears throat> check me on that but i think that's the that's the word
1: i know uh the focus of our our conversation was mostly like i don't think from the way Dennis talked about it. It was like they didn't have a lot of interaction with it so much after like after La Trerera, it was kind of just once in a once in a while sort of thing.
0: Uh-huh uh uh-huh.
2: we have uh, an episode coming out here called uh, psilocybus grimericus or grimericus psilocybus, enter the mushroom. So we recorded uh-huh. we recorded a few hours of uh Darren and a friend on on heroic
0: doses wow that'll be interesting hey what did you guys think of that um research out of the uk with uh, david nutt you know and the the fmri while people were under a psilocybin Do yeah. You remember that? fascinating yeah
1: well was that the depression research
0: no it
2: did slow didn't isn't that the stuff that slowed down brain activity a little bit uh, you know um uh, opposed to speeding it up, which you would you would think with uh,
0: hallucinogens, right? Right. That's my understanding of it yeah. is that, <clears throat> that the expectation was that you'd see this, you know, increased firing, ex- excitation of these brain areas while these people are tripping, and it was the opposite. It was, you know, a dampening down of the brain firing, which kind of fits in with this extended consciousness thing, you know? Yeah, I, so, Meditation. You know, yeah, or when you have an NDE, you know, so people have an NDE, they don't have any brain function. Now they're having a hyperlucid experience. And this, yes. I mean, one way to read that is this is kind of a, a minor version of that. You know, you the psilocybin, well, it's just shutting down your brain so that the consciousness could can come through. Now, that's my interpretation. I'm not saying that's what the reader saw, but, you know, that's a interesting idea yeah i mean it fits in with meditation principles
2: and all that too right i mean you're trying to really increase the gap between thoughts and slow your mind down so you can receive you know information or at least be fully present
0: exactly like if
1: you can slow it if you can slow if you can slow the process down enough you can see through the veil a little bit you get little peeks through the slits
2: yeah yeah uh have you ever thought about uh, or have you already uh, interviewed russell targ at all
0: uh no i i haven't uh i'd like to i can't remember if i've invited him or not but yeah, yeah no
2: he'd definitely be good he's great. great yeah the fascinating book and then and <laughs> you guys then uh, uh pardon me have you guys talked to him no no not yet uh no uh, hopefully one day i, I guess it should probably be sooner than later um but, uh, there's another I mean there's so much going on now there's so many people to chat with um, I do have another kind of question that uh, Red Pill talked about and it kind of goes into what we were talking about just recently here um, so how would we look as a modern society when when the non-local nature of consciousness and its survival after, de- after death is accepted like how will that differ do you think I mean it's a tough question um, but I'm really interested in what, what you have to say how that, that will differ then compared to
0: uh, to now. Uh, you know, it's another one of those that gets really deep. You know, really. That's Red Pill first... Junkie. That's Red Pill Junkie for you. Okay, Red Pill Junkie. <laughs> you gotta, you got to answer some of these questions, man. Come on, Skeptical <laughs> Foreman. Let's hear what you have oh, to say. Oh, your okay. answers to your own questions. <laughs> Off sure... on a separate thread where we can all see it and you're exposed. He will be there. <laughs> you know, because my first thought is to really go kind of spiritual on it and say there's a certain understanding that that, that I'm drawn to that says, you know, kind of there's a little bit more of a purpose for why we're at where we're at, or at least, you know, we're all at different places and that's not necessarily a bad thing, not to get too new agey or anything so it's that this push for this big transformation. I mean, maybe it's pretty much the way it's supposed to be, you know, right now, you know, and maybe there isn't this big change, you know, it's just that, hey, we're all working through our stuff. And that means that everyone's at a different stage of working through their stuff, you know, and that's always the way that it is. And and again, I I hesitate to even go there. I'm not saying this is real, but I told you I want to do this. Past life regression and between life regression thing to to see what it's like and to try and verify it, but one of the things you hear from those people is that you might choose a life developed in these ways, you know. So what does that mean? You know, I mean, if that's true, then yeah, it's always supposed to be kind of a mess like this, you know.
2: Yeah, it's like your soul's agreement to take on this suffering in this lifetime.
0: Yeah, or yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> what do you think of that, Darren?
1: <laughs> I no comment.
2: <laughs> 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 so, are you are you going to? Okay, so what what do you think then? What's your prediction, or how do you feel about the next few years? Like you've been doing this since oh uh, seven. Um, is it been opening up? Is it going to continue opening up? Are you uh, you're going to continue on this battle? How do you think it's going to look in the next few years?
0: I don't have any big ideas or uh, plans for you know where it has to go. Um, I'm just kind of following following my nose and uh, and seeing where you know people have listeners to Skeptico have generated ideas for some of the best shows. So that's the nice thing now is it's really kind of a neat community. I've learned so much from the people who listen to the show, either you know, by sending me emails or on the forum, you know, and they've really shaped a lot of my ideas and they've certainly shaped, you know, the guests I've talked to and stuff like that. So it's it's great. It's a process just it leads itself, you know. I um,
1: so it seems weird that we have this hasn't come up yet but um what are your thoughts on on people like ray Kurzweil and and fellows like that and their predictions of the the coming singularity and merging with technology um where does has that like have you given that much
0: credence or you know i i think that all that stuff as far as i can tell and i almost did a show on uh on this but um it's it's all still based on this uh, mind equal brain stuff, you know. They're still hung up when you get down to it with this materialistic paradigm, with this idea that you are, again, you know, to beat the phrase, you're a robot. So you know, we can we can get there. So so no, I don't I don't I don't I just don't put much stock in it at all. Until you can tell me how that interfaces with the white thingy, you know. Up in the sky that you go to with the near near-death experience that they all say is the most <laughs> profound part of it, you know. Until you can talk about that interface, you know, it's teaching dogs algebra. I mean, it's just kind of silly. So, what about what if what if
1: uh, it came to the point that um, you could basically create if scientists could create some sort of non-biological consciousness? something that was you know like almost I guess suppose like AI but an actual consciousness that can you know think about its future and its past and all, all the things that come with being conscious you know it can maybe it can even feel emotion eventually
0: what, what are all the things that go with being conscious right so we don't know what those things are right so I I, I always think of uh, the interview I had with, buddhist scholar alan wallace and you know i mean he's like a buddhist monk for like 20 years you know the dalai lama for the longest time so you think he's a really calm guy you get him talking about consciousness and he gets he gets animated and agitated you know and you, you get you turn him on to daniel dennett and he just like breathes fire but he says i always think what he said look we don't know when consciousness begins We don't know when it ends. We don't know what's necessary and sufficient to cause it. And you want to start throwing around stuff like, well, when we can make uh, 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 a computer conscious, it's like, we don't have a clue. I mean, we have to seriously entertain the possibility that consciousness is primary, right? So if consciousness is primary, that means that everything that we think is real you know this desk this microphone all this stuff is kind of it's not primary it's you want to call it an illusion or whatever it's the way we think is you know so our mind is creating all that that's a reasonable hypothesis i don't know what the hell it means but it's reasonable to go down that that path it seems to me much more reasonable to go down that path than it is to you know kind of hypothesize oh my gosh what if we made this computer you know, conscious. We don't know what the heck conscious conscious means, what consciousness is. What if consciousness is the whole ball of wax that's creating everything else?
1: It's the universe trying to observe itself.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means, but that's closer to it, isn't it? You know, I hear you. Hmm.
1: I think I caught it from an old Bill Hicks segment.
0: Yeah, Bill Hicks is great. <laughs> Hicks with the, the, you know, what I thought, Bill Hicks, remember his story, back to the psilocybin, you remember his transformational experience, I always remember this, was he has a psilocybin trip with a friend of his, and they both meet in this altered state of consciousness, you know, so they're in this extended state, and they meet Now, what does that tell you about the relationship between your brain and your consciousness? How could you travel to this other realm and then physically meet, exchange information with someone, and then come back in the physical world and kind of share that 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 happened? I mean, that's that's pretty trippy.
1: So then by that standard, I wonder if it'd be possible. So if you created... I guess the conditions necessary for consciousness, would consciousness just develop itself? Like, could you, like, I don't make 3D print a fucking brain somehow out of some tissue and would it, you know, almost like, I guess people call it, like, antenna or whatever you call it, where you're just a receiver,
0: Like a receiver, yeah. You know, maybe I just think there's a, a million questions along the way there that you know would would have to be asked and are probably more relevant the, 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 to the to the question we just know what they are but at the end of the day my sense is there's a bunch of other stuff that would be more relevant to really figuring that out and again it's I, I feel like we're you know the dogs an algebra thing, you know, oh. we're just like these dogs and they're trying to teach us algebra, and we're like, oh, no, yeah, I, I just don't get it, man. Show me where that bone is. That's the only <laughs> thing I get. Oh,
2: that's funny. I was thinking about the, have you ever heard of Tolpas at all? I was at this paradigm symposium and I saw a presentation on Tolpas, and, uh, oh. No, I don't. Know. I just, it, talking to you here just makes me think of how, you know, you're talking about creating consciousness and all this. And David Weatherly's coming out with a book. It might be out, but you, you might find it quite fascinating. And it's about um, manifestation of of beings through thoughts. But there's some actually there's some actual pretty cool uh, kind of anecdotal stories. And he's got his own story wrapped around uh, some Buddhist monks. Yeah, and,
1: that even goes back to monks, right? Yeah. He used to be able to make their little... Hope uh, yeah. didn't one guy have his little taupe get out of hand on him and started yeah. wrecking up the plate yeah.
2: yeah anyways there's a there's another little rabbit hole that's uh, i i gotta check it out i'll, I'll wait for the show you guys got to do a show on it oh yeah okay we will and we'll forward you that yeah for sure <laughs> that's a good way to listen to it on audio while you're doing the dishes or driving to work or whatever
0: that's what i like i'm not about audio isn't it i mean i just people you know people send books and stuff like that i mean i just can't plow through a book i never have the time and i don't like to read really when it yeah. comes to it. i read so much stuff on the screen you know yeah
2: I just so are you going to go to the uh ufo congress maybe in uh phoenix or in scottsdale in f- what february march that would probably you know? be a good one
0: for you to uh to check out I would love to check it out sometime. I'm not going to go this February, and, and I don't have any plans. I kind of like staying hunkered down here, you know, in Southern California. It's, it's the wonderful thing about podcasting, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, we're so far away, and yet we're talking, and we can share stuff. And there is no substitute for meeting people face-to-face. It's all to face. nice and
1: warm where you coming? are.
0: It is. It was a beautiful day today, guys. Man, I got to tell you, it was really nice at the beach. <laughs>
1: It's about minus 25 Celsius here right
0: now. No way.
2: Yeah. It's so cold, Darren had to get a pillow for his feet. <laughs> we are oh, really in the igloo here in Calgary. <laughs> so I guess we should start wrapping up, Alex. Um, it's just been super fascinating chatting with you, and I, I appreciate you uh, letting us throw all these crazy thoughts and curveballs at you.
1: Yeah, before we oh, yeah. Let, let you go, can you give, uh, give our listeners a rundown of where they can track you down?
0: You bet it's at skeptico and uh, Graham got it right, even the spelling of it. You got to stick a K in there. It's S K E P T I dot com, or if you just Google uh, Alex and N D E and any combination in there, it's I think you'd you'd find it pretty quickly.
1: And we'll make sure and link to all that in the show notes as well. Are you, what about are you on uh, the Twitter or the Facebook or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I'm on I'm on all that. You just go to the website, you'll uh, you find all that good stuff. Haven't been doing a lot of Twitter, but I, I wanna kinda get into it. I have a kind of I have my reservations about being that, you know, plugged in, you know. But <laughs> but it's cool. It's
1: a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Next thing you know, you're getting your consciousness merged with a computer.
0: <laughs> That's, see, you, you've really tapped into my own fears. Yeah, I was kind of dancing around it. It about spirituality. I'm just afraid of like, merging with the machine. I hear there's rumors
2: on the uh, internet. With Alex Sakaris from Skeptical, what'd you think?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was uh, a great chat. Alex keeps you on your toes. Uh, you can't uh, doze off when you're when you're chatting with him. That's for sure. Because, uh, well, for one, he's a super interesting guy, and he's super smart, and he's not afraid to to you know turn the turn the spotlight around and 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 get your opinion out there.
2: Yeah, and ask us some questions too. I love that about him. Uh, just. Uh, trying to get our, our take on things and our opinion and that I wish I could have probably uh, articulated my answers a little bit better but maybe we'll have a chance to do it again one t- one day One day It's definitely inspiring, like it, it definitely made me think about my take on uh, consciousness and, and the, the battle over it and whether to step into the ring or whether just to try and avoid avoid conflict like I like to do
1: <laughs> Get in the ring, buddy
2: Yeah <clears throat> Yeah. So yeah, it was it was great. It was a good chat. I hope uh, I hope he likes it, and I hope everybody else does too.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah. Thanks again, Alex, for coming on, and uh, hopefully he will be around for another two hundred. Um. So next up, I believe we'll have Jim Elvidge. He...
2: Yeah, I listened to Jim Elvidge and uh, THC, the higher side chats, and I was blown away those guys did a great job interviewing him and and he was like fascinating
1: yeah i can't wait to talk to him the simulation universe is something i've kind of tried fucking bringing up with a few of our guests now that i think i tried it with grant cameron and uh well i can't remember who else but a few people now i've tried squeezing that in
2: well we talked about it with alex here too and, and yeah that's uh, right yeah 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 and I, and I liked uh, Alex's take. I'm going to have to remember that when we talked to Jim Elvidge about the whole spiritual a- aspect and the whole, I guess, what soul energy kind of aspect to how that how that overlays with the simulation theory.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a few questions for Jim for sure. I've been looking forward to uh, chatting with someone about this for a while. So uh, that should be a good one. And then, of course, speaking of the higher side chats, we'll be chatting with uh, Greg Carlwood uh, this week as well uh, not sure where the interview will air but uh, we'll be chatting with him just as well um, that should be an interesting one as uh, too
2: yeah and then we've got Fred Zimmerman lined up after that he's going to be talking about uh, the Chronicles and the Nephilim which is uh, a pretty big book I think he's took him 13 years to do it um, all kinds of historical data on giants and, and all this kind of stuff and like And then I suppose he he correlates that with some passages about the Nephilim and giants in the the Ohio Valley and all the mound builders and all this. So that's something I don't know a lot about, but I'm really interested in learning more. So that should be a a good chat.
1: Yeah, and that should... uh, We may or may not squeeze somebody else in there before Christmas. Oh, yeah, we uh, will. Maybe one more and that'll take us into... the that that's actually... We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the website anyway.
2: Oh, yeah, right. Wow. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, about three weeks, three weeks today. Yeah. And then uh, the podcast launch I think, May 21st. So 21st or 28th? 23rd, I think, or 25th. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so I think that should about wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed the chat with... Uh, Alex, uh, big thanks to him and to RPJ as well. Who I think we're gonna start bringing uh, bringing back maybe for a segment, even every week. Uh, we'll see how that goes. How the internet connection holds up.
2: Yeah, that's that's the big challenge. If you can't do it that night, then it, you know it kind of it kind of it's hard to just go ahead and reschedule the next night. You might have to wait till the next week. So we'll see how that goes. But it's good that he wants to come on more.
1: Yeah, that's the plan. Um, and don't,
2: don't forget about your uh, Twitter. What's your Twitter? And...
1: Yeah, at Grimerica on Twitter, uh, Grimerica on Facebook. Of course, you can email us, feedback at grimerica.ca.
2: And my email is uh, graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, at grimerica.com.
1: And Darren at grimerica.com.
2: Is that D-A-R-R-E-N?
1: That's right. Okay. You got it, Pontiac. <laughs> Uh, And, of course, you can go to the website, uh, find the show notes, uh, everything you heard us talk about with RPG and uh, all Alex's stuff, of course, and all the music we played here should all be in the show notes, right?
2: Yeah,
0: all right, buddy. Should be there. Yep.
1: All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you guys next week.